0: Hey folks, this is Abel James, and thanks so much for joining us on the Fat-Burning Man Show, where we talk about real food, real results, and sometimes just how not to die. So even before the entire world shut down, worldwide 80% of kids today don't exercise enough, and the physical activity guidelines are quite minimal. No matter where you're looking. So what do you think these numbers look like today or for grown-ups? It's abysmal. But we all need to move more than ever. And if you can't, and there are a lot of situations where people are not allowed to move, maybe that's good for a short amount of of time for various reasons, but we need to fight for our right (laughs) for recess, even if we're adults, no matter what country we're in, it seems. So physical play, and getting outdoors was something that came naturally to us when we were kids. But as life steams ahead, it seems more and more kids and adults alike. We need to be encouraged or find some sort of excuse uh, to allow yourself time to enjoy natural movements of your bodies. And also, there's a lot of shame that's built up around our bodies and, and being judged for how we move or how we exercise. And that can prevent a lot of people from ever doing it in the first place. So if, if that's you, then know that you're being robbed of something that is so important and your natural birthright, which is, you know, to be able to move through the world in your own way and so many of us are hobbled or or crippled or just moving in ways that are completely unnatural one that comes to mind is is thinking about how Joaquin Phoenix in the Joker moves just kind of distorted and grotesque and if you watch people you know just getting out of their cars these days you can see that and that's because we're not using our bodies the way that they should be when you know when we're hanging from trees or running up mountains or even doing things just like getting outside in the fresh air with some sun with your dog or your significant other. Th- these are things that we're not doing enough, most of us, And I can't think of a better person to remind us how important it is to go outside and play than our friend, Daryl Edwards. Daryl has a fascinating story of being a former investment banking technologist turned movement coach, author, researcher, and creator of the Primal Play Method. He's also a talented musician as well, which I think is part of this whole thing, I really do. Being a creator, some sort of artist, whether that be visual art, theater, performance of any kind, But certainly music and and play, these are all very, very related to each other. And building one of these modalities can help build the others, I believe. On today's show with Daryl, we're talking about how you can put the fun into functional fitness. You see what he did there? (laughs) We're going to talk about how not to get steamrolled by life and tons more. But before we get there, I wanted to share a note that came in that really touched my heart. This one's from Brad, and he says... Abel, I recently discovered your podcast. It is great. I love it. I plan to go back through and listen to all of them. Now, as the entire world is in panic over this pandemic, it is great to have a resource like the Fat Burning Man podcast. I wanna share some of my story. I grew up in Virginia, but I've been living in East Africa for almost 20 years because of my work. I direct a small nonprofit that does humanitarian and community projects in some conflict zones here. About seven years ago, I lost my father to complications from type two diabetes, which led to a slew of other lifestyle related health issues. My dad was a great father and still my hero. Dad was so great in so many areas, but not in the area of self-care. I watched him suffer unnecessarily and die at the young age of 72. That put me on a journey to rediscover my own health. As a father of four great children, ages 18 to 23, I want to be available and healthy to enjoy my time with them going forward for as many years as God may give me. In 2018, as I approached 50, I decided to rally and battle for my health. I began intermittent fasting. I stopped eating processed food. I eliminated grains, and I stopped eating scavenger animals like pork, shellfish, and farm-raised fish, and began eating more green vegetables, eliminated a lot of foods that were causing gut and joint inflammation, and changed my sleeping and exercise habits. Having experienced a lot of sport-related injuries, including multiple concussions, dislocated shoulders... Torn ligaments, fractured patella, I used to wake up with back and knee pain and experience headaches. By eating real food, sleeping better, and exercising better, I dropped 50 pounds in about 3-4 to months leading up to my 50th birthday in 2018. No more joint pain or headaches. More energy and mental clarity. Now as I discover your podcast, I am excited to find another resource to help me stay on the right path of health. I have shared with all my children, friends, and family. Keep up the great work. Best regards. Brad. Wow, Brad, I don't, I don't remember reading a note from East Africa before, but there are so many things that you said here. Th- firstly, thank you so much for writing in, sharing this with your family, and really putting this into action. For those of you listening who think that I'm just babbling on too long or taking too long before the interview, listen to what he said here. I'm just going to go back through it real quick here. He says, uh, as I approached 50, I decided to rally and battle for my health. Number one, that's what you have to do. You need to rally and be ready for a battle because you're going to be attacked. Our health is under attack, whether it's just the people around you making fun of you for drinking a smoothie or eating vegetables in public, or whatever, or uh, literally, you know, the powers that be who wants us dependent on them, eating GMO nonsense, lab-grown, disgusting, profiteered and completely manipulated schlop, soylent green. I began intermittent fasting. That is something that's so important more than ever now, especially if you haven't tried it before. Try spending a few hours, especially in, in the morning when you first wake up, push back your first meal a few hours. See how you feel after a few days. Or even especially if, if finding enough food is tough, which it is for so many people now and I feel for you, you know, taking one day out of the week to start building your fat-burning mechanisms once again by practicing intermittent fasting can be a very empowering thing to do. And you know, Allison and I, we've done more extended fasts as well. I like doing three-day fasts from time to time. Now, I wouldn't recommend, you can abuse fasting, obviously. There is a line there and you need to learn where it is, but there's a lot of good stuff that can happen when you start experimenting with intermittent fasting. Okay, so then he stopped eating processed food. Another monster step. If you do have processed food around your house right now, keep it for a rainy day. Put it in the back of the closet in a bag or whatever because it'll keep for two years anyway. Keep that shelf-stable stuff that's that's highly caloric or high in sugar. It's not good for you now. It's not good for your health or your your immune system will take a hit if you abuse that food. But if you put it away for a bit and you focus on eating as fresh as you can, real foods, nutrient-dense foods, that's going to make a monster difference, a positive difference. He eliminated grains. That kind of goes you know, with processed foods to some degree, but that's another big win because basically grains are a source of sugar. Yes, they last on the shelf. They can stay a long time as a source of, of food, but it's not optimal food and it's not necessarily nutrient dense most of those grains so kicking those out big win and then he stopped eating scavenger animals like pork shellfish and farm-raised fish so for a lot of people that means kicking out farm-raised things from the industrial system but that can be a big win as well kick out the meats as well that don't work for you the low quality meats then he began eating more green vegetables eliminated a lot of foods that were causing gut and joint inflammation and change my sleeping and exercise habits. Like in that one paragraph, you covered everything you need to do. So if you want to, you can just turn this show off right now. You have the answer, put it into action. But I I do obviously encourage you to listen to the rest of this episode with Daryl because it's so good. But once again, Brad, thank you so much for writing in. You shared some deep wisdom there. So if you're looking for free resources as a listener, Or if you want to read transcripts of this show, which link to scientific studies and other people's websites and everything in between, go to fatburningman.com. You can find over 300 episodes of this show completely for free without outside sponsors. Now, if you'd like to help support us, though, you can check out our programs over at fatburningman.com in our store. You can join our 30-day challenge over at fatburningman.com slash 30-day days. That's fatburningman.com slash 30 days. And then even better, we just launched something that's, that's very exciting because if you only have a few bucks to throw in our tip jar, now we have one. For you, and we also have coaching that we're going to be offering—group coaching as well as one-on-one virtual coaching with me, which I've never offered before, quite like this, and, and certainly haven't done it in many years since I first started up Fat Burning Man. So, if you're interested in the coaching, or you just want to, you know, help buy me or Allison a coffee or a bone for our dog, go to fatburningman.com/tipchar. You can also, brand new thing, look. Up, Abel James or Fat-Burning Man on Patreon. We've been censored by YouTube and so many other places that we're having trouble communicating with you and and getting the truth out there as we see it and practicing free speech, which is very important. So one of the ways we're going to continue to do that and be very annoying to the powers that be is by not giving up and finding new ways to keep in touch with you. So if you have subscribed, you know on on Facebook, on YouTube, on Instagram, on Twitter, on a lot of these other various places, I've heard of many of you being unsubscribed, you know, without you actually doing it, or just never seeing our stuff anymore. So one way that you can always get in touch is by going to fatburningman.com, as well as looking us up on Patreon. We're starting up Slack, and we have the Fat Burning Tribe. So lots of exciting stuff coming your way. Getting your nutrients in right now is something that our families are prioritizing more than ever. So if you're interested in wild superfoods, please go to wildsuperfoods.com, sign up for the subscribe and save, you know, not only save a bunch of money, but also get free access to our coaching community and recipe library so go to wildsuperfoods.com and sign up for the subscribe and save and we'll hook you right up all right on to this show with our friend daryl edwards we're chatting about how the phrase i play can transform you making functional fitness fun again how to take the superhero path what not to do and what to do in an emergency situation, how not to get completely steamrolled by life, important right now, and tons more. Let's go hang out with Daryl. All right, folks, returning to the show today, Daryl Edwards is a former investment banking technologist turned movement coach, author, researcher, and creator of the Primal Play Method. It's been a while since we last hung out in person, but last time I saw you, Daryl, I'm pretty sure you were pushing cars uphill, carrying people around on your shoulders and climbing up buildings like Spider-Man. So I'm really glad you're back.
1: Yeah, that sounds about right. So since I last saw you, I climbed down the building, (laughs) parked the car uh, and now ready to have a chat. So, yeah.
0: (laughs) So uh, we're just talking about the first time I had you on this show, which I think was 2012, 2013, a a long time ago. And it's so weird how the world has, I don't want to say evolved since then, because that's not the right word. But things are a bit different now. I'm glad to see that you're still at it, still putting great books out there. You've got your deck now. So just catch us up on where things are at and how we can deal with this crazy world. I thought it was getting better for a minute. Now, i not sure.
1: Yeah. So things have certainly been I've shaken up since uh, in the last few years. And I suppose for me, kind of navigating the health sector and where i felt i could add the most value so a number of things have happened in my life my sister passed away Mm. in 2016 from cancer there was a huge amount of difficulty dealing with her death dealing with the the lack of ability to control the situation you know feeling as if don't worry sis we've got this. And recognizing that there are times that you you can't, no matter what knowledge you have, no matter what experiences you have, no matter who you know, you may not be able to, to help those that you care for. So coming out of that, I became even more passionate about looking at the evidence base around helping people with health challenges, expanding the audience that I wanted to appeal to. So rather than focusing on, you know, delete those who have access to certain resources those who feel as if the message of fitness appeals to them I, i really wanted to start speaking to an audience that isn't isn't included in in the conventional message around fitness so the majority of people are physically inactive globally that's from the very young to older adults there are many who have mobility issues or have disabilities or also aren't included in, the, in that health message, that public health message around become more physically active. And so Primal Play, when we first spoke, kind of paleo fitness was my bag. Mm-hmm. That, was my, that was my book at the time. That was my first uh, book that was published. And, and I suppose in some respects, it was quite a hardcore message. You know, yeah. shirts off, look great. Do incredible superhuman things, you know what I mean? (laughs) Be a caveman. Yeah. And now my focus is much more on the joy of movement, the pleasure of movement, celebrating what you can actually achieve functionally, capably through movement. And that way it's much more about the individual. So whatever my issues are, whatever my age, my skill level, my, you know, dealing with pain or whatever I'm dealing with in terms of improving my health, we all have superhuman ability in some way, shape or form. And for many of us that isn't being realized. And so I wanted that. I wanted that for myself. I wanted to be able to demonstrate that to my audience. And that's been a significant shift, both personally, in terms of the me- my messaging, uh, and in terms of my offering now. So yeah, so it's been an incredible journey, many ups and downs, but I've kind of come through this really recognizing what's important in terms of my message, where I feel there are many of us who are not speaking, we're not we're not speaking on the same song sheet, so to speak and those are the individuals that I want to to seek out those who are disenfranchised by what's happening in the fitness industry those who don't feel great who don't want to join a gym who feel that the no pain no gain message doesn't appeal to them yeah so play enjoyment a focus on Natural movement, but in a way that feels good, you know, feels good as soon as you participate is what primal play is about So yeah, that's probably a summary of of the Significant shift in how I think about movement now and as I get older. So I so, you know, this year is a a Benchmark (laughs) I don't know what to call it, but it's one of those landmark ages where you go, oh, I have to think a little bit differently about life now. Uh, so so there's a, there's a zero um, there's a zero <laughs> at, the, at the end. And I'm kind of like, okay, wow, I'm, I'm coming out of my forties. I hit the big five-oh this year. And so yeah, longevity and healthy aging is far more important to me now than say 10 years ago where I probably would be more focusing on aesthetics. You know, oh, I look great. I want to look like I'm still in my 20s. You know, I want want to do crazy stuff I've never been able to do before. Now my focal lens is much more on, hold on a second, I'm thinking about another 10 years when I'm 60. I'm thinking about maintaining independence and quality of life and maintaining function, physical function and cognitive function. So again, another shift. And I suppose my audience, a lot of my audience are also, have that one eye on longevity mm-hmm. as well as present day health yeah so it's been it's been exciting yeah it's been exciting Abel for sure
0: <laughs> It was so funny when you were just saying that i'm just like man there's no way he's more than 40. There's no way. I'm like doing the math in my head. I'm like, wait, no, the, he, I, I know his backstory. He, wait, is he 50?
1: Holy I, wow. But
0: You violate all sorts of norms, right? The idea that you'll be 60 in 10 years and the way that you're moving now, the way that you're living now, even the way that you speak, the way you show up in the world reflects that you're going to be, I think, living a long health span. At least what you're doing now is is protecting your vitality, isn't it?
1: Yes, and I, I suppose it's really important to note for those who didn't listen to the first our first podcast um, discussion. I had a background of poor health, so I had a very sedentary lifestyle. I was working in investment banking. I was pretty much sitting all day. Poor diet, physically inactive, and I I was paying the price. So I had. Pre-diabetes, I was pretty much, I was one step away from full blown type two diagnosis. I had a really poor lipid profile. So I was elevated risk of cardiovascular disease. I had blood pressure through the roof. I was suffering with low back pain. I was wearing knee supports. It was mm-hmm. uncomfortable just walking, taking the stairs it was uncomfortable. I'd, lose, I'd basically like collapse. My knees would kind of give way mm-hmm. just walking. So feeling, it's yeah. important to, for people to be aware of my, of my background. I wasn't a jock. I wasn't an athlete. Mm-hmm. I was a geek. That's why I did computer science. That's why I worked in the in the field that I did, because I was great with computers. Yeah. And humans weren't a part of that. I wasn't a very social being. I much preferred interacting with computers.
0: So crazy. So, to me.
1: <laughs> so yeah, so so having that very amber warning around You are suffering from the disease of aging, whatever that is. You're suffering from those in your supposed prime. That was my like, hold on a second, really? I need to take statins. I need to take beta blockers for my blood pressure. I need to take metformin for my blood glucose. Is there anything else that I can do? And I knew that physical activity was one way of addressing some of those ailments. So I knew it would help with blood pressure. That was probably the only thing that I knew about physical activity. I was like, okay, if I get more active, I might get my blood pressure down. I may reduce some of the stress that I'm dealing with. But I also had other benefits like my blood glucose started to normalize. So I was no longer you know, close to type 2, no longer pre-diabetic, and my blood glucose was optimized, Mm -hmm. and my lipid profile improved. So that was my first awareness of movement being like medicine, that was my gateway, actually, to improving my, my health and well-being. It wasn't diet. It wasn't nutrition. It was actually movement first. And that then led to me going, okay, I need to, I need to be able to fuel my physical activity, and I want to be able to be, make the make better food decisions. So I encountered you know, the world of paleo and the, and, and the like. But that understanding, that movement, was an important part of my health journey and then wanting to understand why. You know, I was like, I know nothing about movement in the um, scientific sense. I don't understand the underlying mechanisms. I know it's good for you, but I wanna know why it can help to lower my blood pressure. What does movement do in relation to that? How can it reduce inflammation? How can it reduce the risk of chronic lifestyle disease? I had no idea. And so that has been another development really Of looking into the research, of seeking out an evidence base, of speaking about those topics in a way that is um, one that I'm passionate about, but secondly, that I can translate that science and that evidence in a way that is prescriptive. So, what can I do? What do we need to do as humans in order to improve our health? both physically, emotionally, socially, um, cognitively. What can I do with movement that will help to address some of the issues that we're, we're facing in the 21st century? And often not discussed is this kind of pandemic of physical inactivity, of sedentary living. And the more you look into this, you know, us being in this—I suppose we're in a in a bubble in, in in some respects. A lot of people we know are active, have gym memberships, are are using movement as part of their their health prescription. But the majority of individuals are not, and even those who do have gym memberships may not be aware they're still living sedentary lifestyles. Right. So one interesting bit of research is around. Um, you know, sitting, known as kind of the sitting disease. So several hours per day spent sitting and what you have to do in terms of physical activity to undo the harm that comes from sitting. And uh, the research tells us that you need to be doing 60 to 80 minutes per day of moderate intensity physical activity to undo 6 to 8 hours of sitting. And six to eight hours sounds like a lot until you factor in, you know, your commute. If you're commuting in a car to work, you know, then you're at work, then you're sitting pretty much all day. Then you come back home on your commute, then you probably need to rest. So you're sitting, you know, watching whatever, you know, you're watching on TV or or whatever you're doing. So more and more of us are becoming sedentary. Our children are getting more screen time. They're having less access to free play and free range activities away from home, so it's becoming more and more the norm. And our time in the gym may not be enough to improve our health. So yes, I wanted to address that fact. Like when people say, "Oh, I'm really active now," you know, I go to the gym three times a week. I do my, you know, I do my some some weight training. I do some cardio. I'm all good. And it's like actually, that may well not be enough to help with disease prevention, to help with improving your physical strength and maintaining health and longevity and vitality. And we need to be doing far more. And if we're time pressured, we need to be making better choices around intensity and types of activities that we're doing in order to still meet, still meet the requirement of humans to move in a way which maintains good health. So my book, Animal Moves, discusses that issue of sedentary living, uh, the issues of that, um, how we are forgetting our animal needs, our primal needs in relation to movement, and the fact that the the animal kingdom is a great reference. If we look at the animal kingdom and and move like the animals we are, and use the animal kingdom as a reference, it's amazing what what we can do, how we can move from crawling, from climbing, jumping, And it's an expression of youthfulness and vitality, as you mentioned earlier. So you look at young children and they just have this zest for life, this energy, this curiosity. And a lot of that curiosity involves movement, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, it it involves looking at the world around them and deciding how they can interact with the world around them. And other animals, they don't just switch off once they become adults. You know, big cats don't go oh, I've got no time for play. I've got no time for vigorous expressive movement anymore because I'm now a big cat. I'm just gonna sit here swatting flies all day. Yeah, Uh, You know, a big cat is more powerful, more expressive, more capable of movement than the young. But for many humans, we peak, some of us peak before our teen age years even, right. you know, or we might peak in our teens or maybe in our early twenties. And then we, there's that decline. And actually we should be maintaining, well, maintenance is probably the wrong word. We should be increasing our capability. I believe well into our, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s. You know, I can't say any later than that because I'm not there yet, yeah. <laughs> but I think there's a lot that we can maintain over a wide a diverse range of activities. And I remember when I was 30 thinking, this is it. It's downhill from here. Yeah, You know, I, I'm already feeling weaker. I'm in pain. I, I need to be, I'm being prescribed with, with medication, you know, of all of these issues that are, they're obviously genetic. There's nothing I can do about them. Yeah. And of course there's lots we can do without medication to maintain good health. And I suppose I don't want to be, um, I don't want to be ignorant of the fact that things can go wrong. Sure. But I just want to be in the best possible place I can be. So if I do suffer from whatever particular ailment in the future, at least I'll be in a stronger position. Yeah. At least I'll be more prepared, more resilient, more robust, rather than deciding 20 years ago that this was it. There's nothing I can do to... Support my health apart from popping a pill or two. Yeah. So, yeah. So, movement, I do believe is medicine. I do believe it's the poor cousin of the health, you know. Um, You're right. Health, can the can the health health I dig messenger. into that a little bit? Because I yeah, wanted to ask you
0: about this specifically because you come yeah. from, to some degree, your first career was a prestigious one, as was mine as I was paying off loans, you know. Investment banking, consulting—you're kind of ushered into these things, and then they're just like, "You better not get out of here because you're going to be VP soon. You're going to make big bucks, and it's all prestigious." Yes. Whereas, on the other side of things, it's like physical education teachers—at least in the U.S.—are low in the totem
1: pole. Right? Oh. They're they're at kind of bottom of the barrel for no apparent yes. reason. So, what's that about? Is it similar in the UK? It's certainly similar in the UK. So, I mean, of course, teaching as a profession. Is certainly not recognised in terms of financial value, in terms of salaries being paid, that's for sure, even though we know deep down how important it is, how important education is. And then I think physical education is, like, probably the bottom rung of that ladder. It's being squeezed out of curriculum, school curric- curriculums. It's being squeezed out. It's being pushed out to extracurricular activities. And if you want to do physical stuff, you do it in your own time. Parents are deciding let's not have our children have the type of childhoods that we had. So I had a childhood, which was literally get out of the house. I don't want to see you until (laughs) the sun comes down. Yeah. You know, get out amuse yourself. Don't get into any trouble (laughs) and get back. When we say, tell you to get back. Yeah. That was the majority of my childhood was get outside, play, you know, a little bit of mischief, uh, but not too much. <laughs> um, and now we have helicopter parenting. We have, you know, bulldozer parenting. Is the latest expression I've heard being used now, where helicopter parenting isn't enough. And let's not just spectate and make sure we're watching whatever our children are doing. We need to remove any hazards, any obstacles, wow. any conflict. We need to basically take, make sure that our children don't have to make any decisions which are difficult. Or you know where they're challenged by having to be told no, this isn't possible. Let's enable everything for our children because I didn't have that that childhood. I want to make life a lot easier for for my children. And so there are Not so many children though. now who are suffering. Yeah, exactly. I mean, of course, we know we know the reality, right? The real life is about disappointment, is about hardship, is about navigating difficult situations and adversity, it can be hostile, you know, even in yeah, the best exactly. of
0: circumstances, it can be hostile or go sideways. Yes. And, and yes. I feel like as, as the years have gone on, even I'm blindsided all the time by just getting steamrolled by life. Yeah. If that doesn't happen to you a few times when, when you're younger, how are you possibly going to be prepared for that?
1: Well, you know, we know that our children, you know, the, the current generation of children are the most depressed, anxious, you know, greatest instances of self-harm, bullying. I mean, pretty much all of the worst situations that can occur in childhood, our children are are facing and experiencing at a far greater rate than ever before, childhood suicides. I mean, mean, whatever metric you want to use, whatever, however you want to compare the children of today in comparison to other generations yeah considering other generations lived through world wars and famines i mean you know ch- child labor i mean let's not paint a rosy romantic picture of the past True. It, it wasn't all great you know but there were certain aspects of childhood which have been diminished to the point where children are being forced to live these very sheltered lives probably the most important currency for children being play has been, you know, a lot of children are bankrupt. Pretty much, that's that's how I, yeah. that's the only way I can term it. Play has been so engineered out of their lives. Now it's um, in social
0: media and video games. It's it, exactly it, that takes social up that media,
1: time. Video games and um, structured play. So, you know, that becomes the no. I do let my children play because they have play dates. I do let them play because I take them to play soccer. Two hours on a Saturday morning, you know they they're doing so many activities that I didn't do as a kid because now they can do ballet, then they can do some hip hop dancing, then they can do you know g- gymnastics, then they can do there's all these activities that they can take part in. But again, if you look at this, if you look at the research, here's here's another fascinating bit of research: two hours of a structured activity, say like soccer, when children are actually monitored wearing accelerometers to see how much physical activity they're doing that's beneficial to them in terms of quantity, it's like 15, 20 minutes in a two hour period because most of the time they're being instructed, they're Mm -hmm. being told, watch what somebody else is doing. Now it's your turn for 20 seconds. Then you sit down and wait for somebody else to do, to do their drill. And then maybe at the end they may have a bit of time to play. Mm -hmm. So, You think as a parent, oh, I'm getting, my son's getting two hours. My daughter's getting two hours of movement on Saturday morning. Actually, no, they're getting very little time. And again, adults are the focal point. You know, um, adults are making the decisions as to what children are engaging in. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you can remember yourself. I certainly can remember the most fun activities as a child involve you making your own decisions usually involve risky types of play yep usually multiple age groups you know your your peers are are of all different ages and your your problem solving your risk assessing you're learning again you're learning about the world around around you there's conflict that has to be resolved because if you don't resolve it you're not going to play you know (laughs) you you fall out with your mates one day then your best friends the next there were all these Things that happen, whereas now, it's like, no, no, no. Let's not have any conflict. Let's not have anyone falling out. Let's make sure the rules are set by us because we, we're we the parents. We, we know best always. Yeah. And our children are – there was, again, lots of studies as, as to the, the harmful impact of emotional intelligence and social intelligence and social awareness, which can only come, which can only be developed by – a child acting on their own initiative, basically. That's really the crux of the of the matter. Yes, um, they have to be involved in making those type of decisions as to what they do, what they enjoy doing, and this kind of play psychology. When I started looking into this, I was like, "Oh, play's fun! Hey, skipping through the hay, you know, <laughs> let's good. just have fun doing exercise." Yeah. But but actually, when I think about it, we did some pretty hardcore stuff as a kid, Yeah, you know, climbing trees, jumping. I mean, we would jump off like, you know, one story buildings, you know, like, yeah, I mean, I fell off one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, piggyback carrying like on our bikes for miles and miles and miles and then praying we'd get back on time, you know, praying that we'd actually find our way home. There's no GPS, (laughs) We we didn't have maps telling us where we were. It was just like, we need to get back before mom or dad finds out that we're on the other (laughs) part of the sea. you know? So there was so much of that experience, which I now appreciate Mm -hmm. for its kind of explorative nature, the curiosity. Should we go down that ravine? Should we cross that? Should we go into that garden? Oh, there's apples in that tree. You know, are we going to climb the fence and shake the tree? And, you know, what if we get caught? What if the neighbors see us? What if, you know, what are our boundaries, you know, if adults do see us and our parents get told what we've been up to? You know, so there's all of these, there are all these situations that we had to navigate that would help us become more resilient. Yeah. And when you consider that children are three times more likely to get admitted to hospital falling out of bed than out of a tree compared to a generation ago. That's, I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. It is shocking that the physical literacy of our children mean that they, you know, less rough and tumble play, you know, they, they don't know how to jump and land. They don't know how to fall because they don't play those type of games. Yeah. You know, that, that again, many of us would play. I, My bedroom, I just shared bedroom with my brother. That bedroom, one day it was a wrestling rink. We would climb the wardrobe. Sometimes it'd be like a, you know, we were mountaineering. We'd climb the wardrobe. (laughs) Sometimes we'd drop, jump off, pile drive. I mean, pretty shocking when I think about it. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm surprised we didn't break many bones. But yeah,
0: kids just (laughs) bounce.
1: Yeah, we just, exactly. We just did stuff which was pretty crazy. And again, we'd stop doing it as soon as the parents were around. You know, if they knew we were jumping on the bed, probably breaking the bed, <laughs> you, know, do you know, can you imagine? But yeah, we would do some crazy, some crazy, crazy things physically. Yeah. But you just become aware of your abilities. You decide what you can and can't do at a given age. You know, I can't climb that tree now, I'm too young. I'm not strong enough. But I'll watch my peers do this. I learn how it's done. I'll get some help and assistance. I'll know that if I if I climb too high and I can't get down, I'm on my own. So you know, yeah. And as an adult, I think this is something which is missing from a lot of conventional fitness. Actually, you know, we're given this prescription of a lot of time keeping us within our comfort zone and getting us to do one or two or three things, rather than actually going. Hold on a second. There's far more to our capabilities, as humans, than just running. And lifting weights and maybe going on a bike you know it's being it's being useful right we just moved our
0: whole house again the past few days and i was wearing my uh my little like smart ring to track my activity and it was fascinating because when i go out for a run it's like seven or eight miles up at eight thousand feet it's like it can be pretty intense sometimes i'll do some sprints out there sometimes i'll bring the dog or whatever when i do my heavy lifts It'll be deadlifts with free weights, I'll do some presses and I'll do some you know, pushes, pulls, I've got pull up bars and whatever, but I'll usually work out for about a half an hour. But just yesterday, when I was setting up this studio, I moved it from one house to another, I'm glad everything seems to be working. I expended more than double the energy of my eight mile run or my strength workout. I expended more than both of them put together. Oh, for and- sure.
1: And, and I was so shocked when I
0: looked
1: at it. It was crazy, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think, you know, I remember helping my friend move house. And I'm like, I relished the opportunity. I was like, yeah, I'll, you know, don't get any removal, men. Just uh, we'll do that. We'll move the sofas and we'll do. And oh, my goodness. Especially when you don't know the technique. I'm used to removal men or women. know They know how to shift big pieces of equipment. And, you know, they're like up, we were trying to get big sofas upstairs. And it's like, you know, you're taking all the strain and trust me, you feel like you're really fit. (laughs) You just do something which is just like a hard day's bit of labor, of movements that you don't normally do. Right. Trust me, my body was like, let me know that, you know, you probably need to be doing a little bit more of this sort of stuff, Darrell, because, (laughs) you know, you're, you're complaining a little bit too much. Totally. I noticed my legs. I'm just like, I haven't felt this in my
0: legs, this tired, this kind of like, it's a weird type of pain, little like dink dink, yeah, yeah <laughs> like yeah, brittle yeah, yeah, pain yeah. or something. <laughs> when you when you're just totally exhausted. And that's that's where I was. I was so fascinated by that. Another thing I noticed is that when you're Lifting weights, you're doing it with correct form, right? Even free weights, you're you're keeping everything aligned. Yes. But when you're moving uh, stuff, when you're moving a sofa yes. through like a space, like this, you're on one leg and, and your knees tweaked this way, and you could really rip something or blow something. Oh, you
1: you could. And I think this is you know this is another aspect of modern fitness which is kind of missing a trick. Mm-hmm. You know, this focus on the correct form and most natural movement is never symmetrical, never evenly balanced, not, you know, evenly distributed, you know, weight distribution. It's awkward, awkward angles, awkward body positions, compromised, you know, joints are compromised, you're not stable. And so when we're training, Of course, we have to focus on form because we don't want to get injured. We want to be able to improve our performance and and make sure we're doing things correctly. But as soon as we move functionally in the real world, no wonder many of us are getting injured. Because as soon as we shift outside of that very structured, safe, everything is in alignment way, we're so weak because we don't we never train that way it's like sheltered fitness
0: right it's like what we were talking about before
1: it's exactly it's exactly right so i think it's important to model some of our training some of our fitness needs to model real world scenarios and you know functional training isn't you know like standing on one leg on a boso ball, doing some shoulder presses, you know, that, that doesn't replicate the real world. It's not often I stand on one leg to perform something uh, very functional. You know, you I did when I was moving, I can uh, say. Yeah, you, you do, <laughs> but I mean, but again, everything about that scenario is a very unique scenario and situation. You know, you're not doing that on a regular basis. Yes. You certainly weren't, if you're on one leg, you wouldn't be on a Bosu ball. You'd be on a stable surface when that happens. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Yep. So so I spoke, yeah, so of course we have two legs. You're gonna be on one leg or the other at some point. But in terms of exercises that we're given, you know, stand on one leg, knee height, you know, squat on a Bosu ball, you know, work your core as you're trying to stabilize yourself. And it's like, well, how much of that will be useful to me when I'm moving? home or when I'm doing another physical activity that is useful for me, that is actually practical for me to do. Right. So I'm not knocking somebody who wants to balance on the boaster ball with one leg and shoulder press, but I think there is more useful practical movements that are more likely to reduce injury, to will improve functional capability. And it reminds me very much of the training montage in Rocky Four say, you know, mm-hmm. Ivan Drago like using the best of tech, all right. isolation movements, like all sexy stuff. Then you had Rocky, you know, chopping logs and-
0: Chasing chickens. Moving
1: boulders and chasing chickens <laughs> and, you know, shifting cars that are caught in the snow and stuff. And, you know, I watched that as a, that, that movie as a teenager. And I'm like, yeah. I didn't really understand. I thought it was just about old versus new, you know, and right. and actually, no, it's it's actually about- what humans have been doing for hundreds of thousands of years if you believe in evolution at least two years of homo sapiens have been moving that way Mm -hmm. and relatively recently we have created this concept of exercise which is only here because we have less physical activity available to us through our day-to-day lives we don't need manual labor we don't need to source our food physically it it comes to us. We don't need to build our shelves anymore. All the stuff we used to have to do, we no longer need. So exercise is a good supplement. It's like, hey, here's something you can do to try to fill that gap, but it isn't ever going to be as good as the real stuff like you moving home. Nothing, Nothing you do in the gym would ever, ever replicate that type of work. But we need to get as close to that as possible. We need to model that as closely as possible. And so with primal play, that's what the primal part of primal play is about. Trying to have a system of movement, which does acknowledge the push, the pull, the lunging, the squatting, the climbing, These all of these different movement patterns that we should be engaging in. The very slow, steady motions, right through to the most vigorous and powerful of activities. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want to be, I suppose it's like water. You know, if you look at water, that's moving, sometimes it's very still. I mean, you've got to look at it for quite a while before you realize, Oh, actually there's some movement there. It isn't as still as it looks, but then you can have the most vigorous and violent (laughs) of movement that comes from water. And we, we operate on that spectrum as well. You know, we should be able to move very gracefully, very slowly, very controlled, not Mm -hmm. make a sound, very measured movements, but I should be able to sprint. You know, I should be able to climb. I should be able to jump and land and and feel comfortable in, in doing that. I should be able to lift and carry, you know, not just lift and put it back down. You know, lifting is actually is the precursor to taking something somewhere even that I'm thinking about, hold on a second, yeah, all the lifting I've done in the gym, most of it is lift, oh, this looks good, feels good. Right, <laughs> straight back down. Put it back down. And even sometimes, I, you know, most of the time, actually, I wouldn't even put it down. It'd be like, drop the weight, it's so heavy. Right, yeah. I, I, could, <laughs> I could only lift it up. I was not strong enough to be able to set it back down. Right. Which so you have either- to do
0: when you're moving
1: house. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. you got a big TV. You You can't just drop
0: that thing. (laughs) Drop the sofa.
1: Yeah. Drop the TV, you know, drop the flat screen now. It's too heavy. I can't hold (laughs) it any longer, (laughs) you know? So yeah, even that that short circuiting of, you know, the things that we do for fitness, you know, like another thing, you know, you might do a 10 K run, but then you're thinking, Oh, I've got to walk back. I'm so tired. I'll, you know what I mean, I'll get an Uber back or, you know, actually, why not just run 5k and then 5k back, mm-hmm. you know, why not have some purpose for your run, you know, rather than just thinking about that goal of, of distance, why not actually think about the purpose of running? I mean, you know, it's locomotion. I need to get somewhere in a given time. That's why I'm doing this. Everything becomes more mindful when you think of movement in this way, not just because you're in a dark room listening to chill out music and, you know, burning incense and listening to Enya. And, oh, now I'm in, now I'm really blissful and deep breathing. Actually, I want to be just as focused if I was being chased by whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? I I don't want to be panicking. I want to be like, you know what? I reckon I can make the right decision right now. I'm aware of my, my abilities. I'm aware of my limitations. I can, manage this stress response in an appropriate fashion, which means I have to be mindful. I can't just run aimlessly. I can't just, do you, know, you know what I mean? Like there's all these things that you feel the fitness world tells us, if you wanna sh- reduce stress, if you wanna become more mindful, then you have to just slow things down, you know, uh, have like some water, you know, dripping in the background. There's gonna, be, there's gonna be some sort of gong going off every few seconds, you know, hit a triangle and get into this nice Nepalese blissful state. And it's like, yeah, it's kind of easy to be, you know, it's easy to be chilled out when you're in the, in the pool. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Living like a monk. Yeah. (laughs) But you want to feel that way when you're in the middle of mayhem. You know, you yeah, want to when be your able truck take... breaks
0: down in the desert this summer, yeah. <laughs> and you've got to like walk for miles and find water, like literally happened. And yeah, when stuff like that happens to you, you see health as, and fitness as a responsibility, as something that you need to keep up. Because if you don't, you might just die, and so and so the people uh, you love. You know what I mean? When stuff goes really wrong, and it does.
1: It, it does, yes. And and I think that's the you know we need to to recognize fitness for those extraordinary feats of you know like in that situation you could have just gone you know what i'm just going to stay here and hope somebody comes by to help yeah. you know oh they my didn't gosh, by the I, way I... we
0: called AAA and they never came <laughs> 24 hours they did not come that was wow. another big lesson
1: <laughs> and again imagine you may not have been able to make a phone call right you might have been just out of signal do you know there's so many things that could have gone wrong but the fact that you're like you know what fine i'm going to call AAA, but there's other things we can do about this and part of it involves my physical fitness. And that is part of the solution. And I think it's really important that, you know, what I remember, one of my clients a few years ago, she came to one of my first group sessions and she was kind of like, you know, we were doing like fireman carries and like kind of like lifting and carries and sprinting. And, and she was just like, what the heck is this? You know, I'm a mother <laughs> of two kids. Yeah. Like, when am I ever going to need to do stuff like this? This is just, you know, I'm not in the military. She, you know, she really made a song and dance of it. Yeah. And I said, Oh, you know, you never know when you might need to be able to do something like this. And literally within about a month or two, she came to the class and she's like, "Dow, you won't believe what happened this weekend. I'm in the hotel, several floors up fire alarm goes. It wasn't a false alarm. My husband had a few too many jars you know, if you know what I mean, it was on the source. Passed out. I'm with the two kids. I literally tried to wake my husband up. He's like, yeah, whatever. She grabbed her kids. She ran down, literally held the two kids. She ran down all these flights of stairs everyone else is just kind of walking or going, Oh, what do we do? Let's wait for the emergency services. She's like, heck no, I'm I'm out. She grabbed the kids. She handed her kids over to the hotel staff outside she ran back up the stairs and she dragged her husband out of the bed literally pulled him to the front of the hotel door the i'm sorry the entrance to the room and the emergency services had arrived and were able to take him out and she was like i knew i was able to do this because of the sort of training we were doing i had no doubt that i was able to to do this and she went before this i would have waited Probably mm-hmm. waited, sat in, sitting there thinking, Oh, what am I gonna do now? My husband can't help me. You know, I'm 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 stuck. Right. And she was like, No, my life potentially could be in danger. Gotta protect the kids. Then I'm gonna come back for hubby. And of course, when she was running back in, everyone was like, No, you've got to wait. Don't no, don't be stupid. You know, she's like, No, I need to, I need to do this. And I was like, Oh, that's such an incredible. Story and it was the fact that she just felt that she was able to do this. And she says, you don't understand, like when I'm dragging my husband and he's still, (laughs) he was so out of it. He was just like, "Uh," you know, "Uh," you know, know, he wasn't wasn't interested at all. He didn't know what was happening.
0: Another reason to not be too much on the sauce, like ever, let's just say.
1: Exactly. You know, you never want to be, I mean, I don't drink anymore. I don't drink alcohol anymore, but yeah, I certainly have been that, smashed oh yeah well,
0: i have too <laughs>
1: um now. and yeah if there was a real a real danger before they knew what would you do and oh yeah. i mustn't forget this so one of the things that i i probably didn't share back then but i was actually a victim of the london bombings in 2005 so really? there were yeah, yeah i yeah, was yeah, there yeah, in yeah. london at the same oh, time. so so edgware road tube station metro station yeah was one of the stations that was uh, there was a bomb and I was basically an adjacent carriage away from the explosion so oh it was it was basically I'm going to die now it was that yeah. that sort of moment of like oh my goodness my life my life's over and it was a very difficult very difficult to deal with I I spent the next nine months commuting to work on a bike because I could, I was like, I can't go in the underground. I can't go in any public transport. Uh, I was pretty much pet- petrified to do so. 12 years later, 15 years later, there was, you know, a recurrence of, of the terror attacks happening. So, you know, like cars, you know, what happened in Paris. And then it, then it was happening in London of cars basically mounting the pavements. And so it was another kind of quite a scary, terrifying time. And I started having flashbacks, basically, of what happened back in 2005, yeah. um, sort of like P- PTSD, basically. And I was like, I thought I, got, I thought I dealt with that. I thought I was over it. But I, ha- I wasn't. Mm-hmm. But this is what happened to me. I'm in South Kensington near the Natural History Museum. Okay. And there, all of a sudden, there were lots of police. There's police helicopters, huge crowds forming. And uh, I was with my partner. I'm like, I wonder what's what's happening. Let's go and have a look. We walked around the corner, and about 20, 30 armed police, like in a single row, telling everyone to run for their lives. And they didn't just say, run for your lives. They, you know, all the expletives you can imagine were used. 90% of people didn't move. Wow. You know, as you know, we don't really have armed police in London, you know, armed police are are rare, right? So seeing that many armed police, that's already like, okay, need to get the heck out of here. Right. Right. (laughs) Two, that they're telling us there's been an attack, a terror attack. Get the heck out of here. 90% of people just like literally froze or took their phones out to video. What may or may not been happening. my My partner froze. She was like, I don't know what to do. And I was like, take your heels off. <laughs> like, if I need to pick you up and, you know, we're going, we're gone. We're sprinting. We're getting out of here. Yeah. So we sprinted away. The amount of people we told as we were running past them not to go in that direction, people just like, oh, there's a terror attack. Okay, well, that sounds interesting. It was just wow. surreal. Yeah. People just have no idea how to deal with... Life-threatening situations like that. I mean, it yes. was just—it was just incredible, isn't it? We bizarre? ran to. The, uh, it's um listen, you, uh, it was just horrendous, and we ran to the tube station. So I said to her, "Look, next we're going to run to the tube station, and we're just going to get out of here." So we ran to the tube station, and then they said, "Oh, there's actually a bomb in the station, so they were closing the station down." And I was like, "Oh my goodness, is this happening again?" But the good thing was, I was so calculated about avoiding danger, about protecting my partner, about getting out of here, about trying to help others in that situation. But most people were just wandering around aimlessly. Fortunately, it was a false alarm. the, the Basically, the cab driver, it was a cab dro- Uber driver who had a heart attack at the wheel and mounted the pavement and and, and unfortunately hit a few people. And he was of Middle Eastern descent, so they assumed it was a terror attack. Oh, geez. But it wasn't. But it wasn't a terror attack. But yeah, that you know what happened to me the first time in two thousand and five just got me into okay. I, what can we do to to feel better about this? And it certainly wasn't getting at my phone to put it on social media no. or to document. Honestly, it was so surreal. It's like, in, you know, have you watched um what's that film where they um oh it was a Swiss world. Have you ever seen Westworld? Yeah. Okay. You know how they they can turn the robots so they can kind of they freeze and, mm-hmm. and then the humans kind of keep moving? It was almost like that. Everyone just kind of froze like, oh, let's just film this. Let's just decide what to do next. Yeah. And we were just going like crazy, running and trying to get away. And it was like... Really?
0: Yeah, fight or flight is not the correct term for what happens there. I've read a few books about it in the times of my life when it, when you know stuff is really going down big time. You expect that everyone will have it together and run in the correct direction. but what actually happens is 70 to 90 percent of, of people, like you said, it's not fight or flight. It's just stand there and act like everything's still okay or act like nothing's happening or just like keep doing the dishes or like someone close to me got shot and the person kept doing the dishes. You know, it it becomes your, your brain and your emotions. If you're not ready just to snap into that mode like you did. Yes. Most people are discombobulated and they don't know what to do. So you need to somehow prepare for this.
1: Yes exactly and I I think that's the freeze you know the the, the third f yeah is the freeze response the so f. of course sometimes freezing is appropriate you know like rattlesnake right. or you know certain dangers where like if you move it's game over right. right so again it's it's the appropriateness of the response sometimes freezing is the best thing to do mm-hmm. but in that situation it certainly wasn't you couldn't fight in that situation Flight was the most appropriate. Yeah. I think there's another in fall, the correct direction, uh, and in the correct direction. <laughs> that's that's yeah. another thing so too. Some people were, Yeah, some people are flying. <laughs> Flight was towards the danger. Right. Like, I just told you, there's a terror attack. You have no idea what is happening. Fifty meters away from where I am, right? There is mayhem. That should tell you, I'm not interested in what's happening. 50 meters away i'm going in the opposite direction as fast as i can uh, oh it was you know but it, the, the good thing is and of course you never know what what may happen to you in terms of preparedness for for life but i'm thankful that i was able to run to keep running yeah to be able to initially sprint you know like to think to myself
0: help others you know, who are freezing i too. can help
1: yeah 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 don't listen if you those heels can go you can get it you know like if you need to throw those heels away <laughs> like so you can run Beth. F- you, you know what i mean like right we, we don't need training shoes now we don't have time to warm up we don't have time to stretch let's just bolt let's go let's disappear and i was like yeah if i need to carry you uh, that's what's gonna happen doesn't matter you know if i'm as long as we're moving away from here as long as we're you know not the slowest of the, of the masses <laughs> right. we've got a you know, we're improving our chances every second that we're taking evasive action. So I think it's really important for us to recognize why movement was a part of our heritage and why it's significantly important and why, even though it isn't always as sexy as some of the other interventions mm-hmm. that we are attracted to. And I think part of the reason is because, you know, like, say, nutrition, right? If you want to improve your nutrition, you can engage with a nutritionist. You could get a chef, right? You could get somebody to pre- prepare the meals for you. You could probably even pay someone to feed you. I mean, if you had the ability, you could literally get somebody to give you the perfect nutritional plan and you only had to chew. And even then, you probably don't have to chew. Just get somebody to, to blend it and have, a, have it as a smoothie, <laughs> yeah. right? Or have it intravenous if you really wanted to go Don't have any effort. So yeah. you could literally have no effort, improve your nutritional regimen. You know, I want to go to sleep. I want to improve my sleep. You know, you can take supplements. You can do like, there's stuff you can do. You can get hypnotized. You can get, there's things you can do to help. With movement, the only thing you can do is do it yourself. (laughs) You know, you you can't outsource the effort, the physical effort required. You have to do that work. You get a PT, they can tell you what to do, but you have to do it and i think that's why it's difficult for humans to have a long term love affair with exercise yeah if you can't motivate yourself if you don't have, if you don't set goals if you if you feel that there's always something more important to do we struggle 50% of people who sign up to gyms don't actually attend one session gym owners do really well you know the chains do really well they sign you up for a year contract they promise you the world, but you've got to attend. So I'm sure you've seen the meme. You know, I'm going to go to the gym next week and find out why. Find out why this gym, you know, this program, fitness program, isn't working. And it's their. Fir- it's basically the first visit, right? So <laughs> they're complaining: the gym's not working for me. You know, I haven't been there for nine months, but you know, <laughs> I need to find out why. Uh, maybe I should actually go. Uh, but <laughs> good illustration of how it <about> actually works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't I'll believe it, but we're, really. we're almost
0: out of time, Daryl. Before we go, can you please tell folks about your Animal Moves book and your cards and all the other cool stuff you're working
1: on? Yeah, so so Animal Moves really talks about how you can have a better relationship with movement, moving like the animals we are, the volume, the intensity, the frequency of movement, the type of movement patterns you should be engaging in. And there's a 28-day program for intermediate beginners and advanced that takes you through the movement patterns that make you perform better, feel better and move better. And then the animal moves decks. So I have one for children, for adults, an office version, um, and one for fitness professionals. And it just takes that concept of the structure that comes from the book into a way that randomizes your workouts or as I term them, playouts. Yeah. So it's just a way to kind of make it even more fun. You've got a couple of moments free to have a movement snack or movement break. So it takes you away from tech. It's like analog gaming. Uh, it's something you can do socially. So this animal moves concept from the book has now sort of developed into, into more of a, a brand in relation to, to these additional, additional products. So Animal Moves Book, you can access at animalmovesbook.com and the Animal Moves Deck is at animalmovesdeck.com. And in terms of my philosophy and approach around the Primal Play method, Primalplay.com has lots of research, has lots of activities, has lots of uh, ideas that can help to motivate you. If you're thinking that you're struggling with, with having a love affair, a long-term love affair that is beneficial and fruitful, that's what the website has been has been developed for to provide that sort of help and, and guidance. And the final thing I should mention is I also do have a, a free ebook called The Importance of Play. So if you go to PrimaPlay.com forward slash ebook, then you can, you can access that. It just gives, I mean, most of us know why play is important, but if you do want to geek out on some of the science, if you do want some ideas of how you can enjoy, be bit more playful and more engaging when it comes to movement, that's what that ebook is about.
0: Right on. And we all need to play a little bit more. Daryl, I appreciate your work so much. Thank you for getting out there and continuing to do such great stuff. We love you, man. Cheers, Abel. Keep doing no,
1: it. It's no, been, it's been superb. Thanks very much for, for the time once again. Have a great day, mate.
0: This episode is brought to you by listeners like you and Future Greens. You may know that I'm not a big fan of most supplements. It's hard to know if you're getting what you paid for. And even worse, many supplements, juices, powders, and greens we've tried taste terrible. For example, have you ever noticed that most powdered vegetable mixes taste like fish tank? Don't even mention fish oil supplements. Once you've had fish burps, it's hard to trust that brand again. So that's why Allison and I have spent the last three plus years creating wild superfoods. And it's our goal to give you the very best nutrition the world has to offer. Now you can get the concentrated nutrition of 15 organic fruits and vegetables plus six other superfoods in one extremely convenient, ready-to-go package. We call it Future Greens. And if you're looking to improve your health, performance, and well-being by doubling your intake of fruits and veggies without the sugar and carbs, you're going to love it. With Future Greens – You can whip up your daily green drink in less than 30 seconds, no matter where you are. The certified organic stevia gives it a subtle sweetness and it tastes great in water or juice, and we think it even makes our green smoothies taste a whole lot better. It's made with certified organic, non-GMO fruits and vegetables to aid in detoxification, balance your body's pH, and give you a boost of clean energy without sugar, caffeine, or the dreaded crash. No junk or artificial sweeteners, and just one gram of sugar per serving. With the tasty wild berry flavor, you and your kids won't even realize you're eating broccoli and 20-plus powerhouse fruits, veggies, and adaptogens. So if you want to try our brand new creation from Wild Superfoods called Future Greens, we have even better news for you. As a listener of Fat-Burning Man, and it's proof that you are because you're listening right now, you can actually get a 20% discount to try Future Greens yourself. Just visit fatburningman.com forward slash greens to get 20% off when you select subscribe and save. Once again, just visit fatburningman.com slash greens to check out Future Greens and get your special listener deal. We'll see you there. Well, hey there, listener. This is Abel one more time, and I just want to say thank you for listening to this episode of The Fat-Burning Man Show. If you liked it, don't forget to hit that subscribe button wherever you might be listening to or watching this show right now. And if you have a second, please leave me a quick review for The Fat-Burning Man Show. I read every single one of them, and every time you leave a review, it gives us a little boost in the rankings, and that helps other people find this show and if you can think of someone else who might enjoy and benefit from this free show please take a second to share it with a friend or family member and if they're like what is this fat-burning man thing that's a really silly name you could be like you're right but here's the deal we've recorded over 250 episodes of the fat-burning man show with thought leaders in health from all over the world and so far We've won four awards, hitting number one in health in more than eight countries internationally. We have more than 30 million downloads already, but we're just getting started. I can't believe any of this, by the way, and and couldn't do any of this without you, so thanks once again. But here's some more good news. You can download and listen to every single episode of the Fat-Burning Man Show for free with zero outside advertisements, no outside sponsors, and no corporate overlords. All you have to do is type in fatburningman.com. We'll give you a a second here just to type it in, fatburningman.com. And you'll get all the show notes, transcripts, and video and audio versions for all the past episodes of The Fat Burning Man Show for free. Better yet, enter your email at fatburningman.com sign up for my newsletter and I'll even send you a quick start guide so you can take your health into your own hands right now along with a few of our ridiculously tasty recipes as a special thanks for signing up once again just go to fatburningman.com right now enter your best email to get your free goodies with a bonus surprise straight to your inbox this is Abel James signing off thank you so much for listening once again